And so I want to read a few passages of Scripture before we partake in the Lord's Supper. And we thank you guys for being here once again. The Apostle Paul, he tells us in the book of Corinthians, he said, Whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup, you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. He says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. He said, for anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, he eats and drinks judgment on himself. He said, that's why many among you are weak and have sick and a number have fallen asleep. So the Apostle Paul, he's, he's teaching us that you and I are to examine ourselves. One of the main problems of the church today is we're too busy judging one another instead of looking into our own lives. And this is where we need to look because this is where the problem begins. It begins inside of ourselves. Only you know what your weaknesses are and your strengths are, but, but God is teaching us that, that we are to confess our weaknesses, not only to one another, but mainly to him. Now, there are some churches who have priests that the congregation will go to that priest and confess their sins to that man, but, but biblically speaking, Jesus is the man. Can I get an amen this morning? And so it's important for us to, to take our sins unto God. John tells us if we'll confess our sins, that God is, is faithful to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And we'll be touching on that this morning. So this morning, if you would, just take a moment and close your eyes, examine your life, and begin to confess those things that are causing you to fall short to the glory of God, and just get it off of you right now, and just give it to God where it belongs, because he knows how to take care of all your weaknesses. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for your many blessings, Lord, and we praise you now in Christ's name. The Apostle Paul, he said, For what I received from the Lord, I also pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night, the very night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had taken, he given thanks, he broke it, he said, This is my body, which is for you. He said, Do this in remembrance of me. So if you would, take... The symbol of the body of Christ, which is the little wafer. If you haven't got that open, I'll give you just a moment because we're we're trying to be in uh, safety with with these new uh, Lord's suppers. <laughs> Come on, Amen. We're trying to keep the COVID thing down, so everybody's got their own little tray and their own little. Does everybody have one this morning? Okay. It's kind of tricky. Technology is tricky. Come on, amen. You know, you usually just pass the bread around and the, and, and the, the juice, and it's, it's easy. But, you know, everything's got high tech now, so we got to try to go with the flow here. But once you get it open, I ask you to everyone to stand with me this morning first. I want you to take this 
the symbol of the body of Christ in your right hand. As I've told you many times before, the right hand represents covenant. I'm in covenant with Christ. I'm in covenant with the Father, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus said, this is a symbol of my body. He said, do this in remembrance of me. The Bible teaches us that, that the children of Israel was, was fed manna from heaven. The manna from heaven was, was a symbol of the body of Christ, that, that God would, would give the Israelites everything that they needed within the bread. Well, also in the body of Christ is a symbol of everything that you could ever need from the living God. He's given us the bread from heaven. He's given us something that will, 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 will sustain us for eternity. He's given us his life through the body and through the blood. So once you raise your right hand with me, lift up the body of Christ, say, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for the body of Christ. You were wounded for our transgressions. You are bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon you. And by your stripes, we are healed. We're healed from our sins. We're healed from the afflictions of the devil. We're healed from ourselves. We praise you now in Christ's name. And the body of Christ receive with me. Apostle said in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my body. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And take the cup, if you would, in your right hand. The blood represents forgiveness. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, y'all know that song anyway. Amen. The blood is so important because it's, it's the blood. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. God provided a lamb. A lamb who would lay down his life upon the cross for your justification. For your glorification. For your sanctification. Everything that needed to be done was done through the blood of Christ. And I'm so thankful today that I have a symbol of that blood right now, even in my hand. Because I know this, this, this picture that Christ has given us through this little drink represents freedom. Can I get an amen? And I don't know about you, but my Bible says when the Christ sets you free, you are free indeed. And I thank God for the blood of the Lamb. Because without the shedding blood, I have no hope. I have no way, for he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Christ, and it's through the blood. I want you to raise that blood up and say, in the name of Jesus, I confess, I confess Christ as my Lord, as my Savior, and it's by his blood that I'm free, and I receive it right now in the name of Christ, and Jesus' people said, amen, receive.
Everybody say, glory be to the Lamb. You may be seated. I want you, if you would, find your Bibles in your lap, or wherever you have it. You may have it on the iPad or wherever it may be. And once you find your place in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 24 through 25. And while you're searching, I'm going to speak a little bit, then we will stand and we'll read the scriptures today. But this week, in my walk with God, these two verses kept popping up over and over. I might have heard it on the radio or on the TV or no telling what, but they just kept popping up. And at first... I tried to ignore them, but, but I know better because when you ignore God and His Word, you will find yourself in something called the woodshed. Because the Lord, the Bible said, the Lord disciplines those He loves and He punishes everyone who, who He accepts as sons. And so when we ignore what God is trying to tell us, we'll find ourselves in a situation that we can't get out of. Until we get on our knees and confess that and get it done. Come on, amen. When God began to speak this word to me, I had to to determine certain things. I had to determine who is this for? Is this for me? Or is this for y'all? Is this something that I need to work on? Or is this something that y'all need to work on? Or is this something that we all need to work on? Come on, amen. Is this something that God wants me to preach today, or is it something that he just wants me to meditate on? Well, the answer is simple. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, I need it. Yes, you need it. Yes, we all need it. And yes, we all need to hear it and say, yes, I'm going to preach it. Can I get an amen? So find Galatians 5, 24, and 25, and if you would, stand for the reading of God's holy word. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit coming upon me. Thank you. Hallelujah. If you got your place, say amen. If you came for an ear tickler today, you might as well leave because it's not going to tickle you. I didn't come to tickle. I didn't come to please. I came to preach. Can I get an amen? Amen. Paul said, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their sinful nature with his passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us pray. Holy Father, In the mighty name of Yeshua, Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the creator of all things, we come before you now. Father, we believe by faith that this is a day that you have created. We don't believe that it's an accident that we're here. We believe by faith, God, that you have a plan for each and everything. For your word says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So, Father, we we come today humbly before you because, Lord, we don't need a word from a man. We need a word from the Most High. So, Father, if you would, speak through these lips of clay. 
Hide your servant behind the cross that no flesh may boast before you. Because your word says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. So we lift up the name of Christ today, Lord. And we ask you, have your way and pour out your spirit upon your people. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Give us a mind to understand the revelations that you've laid upon your spokesman. And help us to walk in agreement with the teaching of the word of God. Lord, help us not to just be hearers of the word. But help us to be doers of the word. In Jesus' name, and God's people said amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. It's a nice crowd. I thank you guys for coming. Blesses my soul. What I'm mainly drawn to this week is this little statement of Paul that, that answers the ultimate question. The ultimate question is, do I really belong to Christ? Because, see, there's, there's not a soul in this room, in this building today, that has not asked himself this question. Do I or do I not belong to Jesus? Now, the reason why we, we ask yourself this question so often is because we have an adversary called the devil. One who comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And it's this enemy who plants those lies in your mind, something called condemnation. In Christ, there is no condemnation. And he loves to condemn us, and he loves to try to convince us that we do not belong to him. Because if we cannot believe we belong to him, we have no security. Can I get an amen? And so we walk around like a wave being blown back and forth by the waves of the sea. But that's not God's plan. And so our, our sermon today is designed to help you to understand that you do belong to Christ. And it will prove to you that you do belong to him if only you pass the test. Oh, are you with me this morning? I hope you are because you need to listen because you see there is a test. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, he says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Today's message is simply entitled, Do I Belong to Christ? I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, Neighbor, have you ever asked yourself, if you belong to Jesus. And I hope the answer was yes. I belong to Jesus. Hallelujah. And so we, we need to go back to, to the beginning of salvation. The beginning of salvation begins with one little word called faith. Can I hear everybody say faith? What is faith, Pastor? Well, the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. And so the first step of salvation is that you must first believe that there is a God. Because I can promise you, if you don't believe that there is a God, you're not going to be saved. 
That's pretty simple. That's, that's cut and dry, but the truth is many people do not believe in God. Can I get an amen? But you see, we can't just believe in God and be saved because there's a problem here. The, the problem is, is that, that the adversary called the devil also believes. So, so if we believe and he believes, then, 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 the, then the situation would be that, that he too is saved. Now, I know you know the devil's not saved. But he has faith that there is a God because he's seen him. He knows he's real. At least he's seen him. But he believes, but his faith is different than ours because his faith and our faith, we believe that Christ accomplished everything that had to be done in order for you and I to be in right standing with God. He don't believe that. Someone told me once that the Bible knows that the devil knows the Bible better than me. I said, that's a lie. They said, well, well, Jesus, you know, he dealt with the devil, and the devil used the Bible on him. I said, he used some of the word, but he twisted it. But my Bible said the truth is not in him. Come on, amen. He, he knows enough to get you in trouble. <laughs> So don't believe that the devil knows the Bible better than you. He may know better than some of y'all. Come on, amen. But he don't know the Bible better than me because I have studied and shown myself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. So why do I believe? I believe in God because God has given me the faith to believe. He's given me something called grace. He's given me the grace to understand. But you see, he's given that grace to all men, but not all men will take the faith to, and, and, and apply it in order to be saved. The Bible says that God has given every man a measure of faith. Come on, amen. And so every man has the opportunity to be saved. And the Bible said that God is able to make all grace abound to all men so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. God has given us the grace to be saved. Paul tells us, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It's a gift of God so that no flesh may boast before him. And so God has given me the faith. He's given me the grace. All things come from God, even the salvation that's, that, that I use to receive him. In other words, I can't say I did something. See, see we got this thing in our mind that, that I have to do something. Yeah, you have to apply what he's given you. Because I can promise you all in perfect gifts come from above. And so you see now, but it doesn't matter how, how good we are. Because if we could be good enough to earn our salvation, then Christ died in vain. If there's something that we could do to accomplish it, then, then, then we would not need Jesus. The Bible said that, that, that if you stumble one point, just one point, just one sin, you're guilty of breaking all of them. I think that's in James somewhere. 
But James teaches us something that we need to take note of because our text says that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their sinful nature with his passions and desires. Those who belong to him have crucified it. And so we have faith, but this faith is not sitting in the chair doing nothing, but this faith is believing and this faith is laying down its life because in order to live a crucified life, you're going to take your faith and apply it to the word of God. Are you listening? See James says in 2.19. But someone will say you have faith. I have deeds. James says show me your faith without deeds. And I'll show you my faith by what I do. That, that helps you understand that, that faith without works is what? Dead. Well let me ask you one question. What do we do as Christians when something is dead? You bury it, right? No, we resurrect that thing. Are you listening to me? God didn't give you your faith to bury it. He gave you that faith to use it, to walk in it, to live in it, to be part of it. Are you with me this morning? So here's the way I understand it. I'm going to try to break it down to where the rubber meets the rope. I'm going to make it so simple. If you miss this, then I don't know. Might have to find another preacher or something. Because this is simple. This, this, I mean, I'm not saying I've done anything, but, but I have read the Bible a few times. A lot. But I want to try to break it down where you can completely understand it with no question. There's only one way that we can be justified before God, and that is by faith and faith alone. But there's only one way to be justified before man, and that is by works and works alone. Because <laughs> I don't care how many times you tell somebody that you are a Christian while you're living like the devil, they're not going to believe you. Because if your life is a confessing that you're something, then you're not living according to what they know of a Christian, then they're going to call you a liar. There's no way you're a Christian. Because the Christians that, that we, we hear about are walking in holiness. Walking in God's love, walking in peace, walking in mercy. Mercy is something that we need to share with one another. John says it like this. We love because he first loved us. So if anyone says, I love God, yet hate his brother, he is liar. For anyone who cannot love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. A lot of people say, I'm a Christian, but can't even love God. Their neighbor who they can see. That contradicts, don't it? And so we're only justified before man by our works. Men are watching us. They, they, they love to see us fall and stumble. Come on, amen. But, but the truth is that, that God knows that we're not perfect by far. And that we all sin and we all fall short to the glory of God. But he has given us something called power, dunamos, the Holy Spirit of God that dwells inside of each and every one of us who are saved. He's given us his word. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us everything that we live, that we need to live a sanctified, holy, and righteous life on this earth while we live on this side of heaven. We, we can't say to God that I didn't know because he said, I, I put my words in your heart and in your mind. 
Am I going too deep? But, but John says we, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. And so Jesus, he makes it real simple. Because the Father has sent down the ten through Moses, the ten commandments, but Jesus breaks it down to two. And it comes down that if we can do the two, we're upholding the ten. And the two is very simple. Number one is that we are called to love the Lord God with all the heart, soul, strength, and mind. And Jesus said the second one is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Can I read something for you? Galatians 5 and 14, Paul says the entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22, 35 through 40, Jesus said one of the experts in the law tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and all the prophets hang on these two commands. Man, he's made it easy, hadn't he? To love your neighbor as yourself. Why many people like our church is because when you come into these walls, you don't feel judged. You feel accepted. And that's important to me because anybody who knows me, if I catch you acting judgmental towards someone, I'm going to take you to the woodshed. Come on, amen. In, in other words, don't catch me treating you, treating others wrongfully. We're called to love unconditionally. Love unconditionally. That's so important. We need to get back to love, people. And so Paul, he tells us in our text, can I take my time? Oh, y'all gave me permission. Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> you heard it then, Jeffers. Amen. So, Paul tells us those who belong to Christ Jesus have what? Those who belong to him have, have crucified their sinful nature. And so automatically we're asking ourselves, hey, ooh, have I crucified my flesh? Have I laid my life down on the cross? Well, let me say this. In order to keep the two commandments, you're going to have to accomplish this. Because I tell you, until you die on that cross, you cannot love your neighbor as yourself. Are you with me yet? So Paul, he's speaking to the Galatian church here in Galatians 3 and 1. He said, you you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before your very eyes, Christ was clearly betrayed as crucified. Paul said, I know you weren't there. And you know I was not there, but before your eyes, you're seeing the Christ crucified. In other words, in your very sight, you're seeing a man who's living according to Jesus, his principles and his purposes, his ways. A crucified life is is dying to self. Why is that hard? Because we're selfish.
This is not talking about being perfect. This is talking about being willing to do right. I think it was Joyce Myers. I hadn't listened to her in a long time, but I remember when I first got saved, she was saying something like, you know, when I got saved, I got new want-tos. And that stuck with me. She said, because I don't want to do the things that I used to do. Now, we all have the same desires inside of us, but we have new want to. Something inside of us has changed. Paul said, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That there's something inside of us called the Holy Spirit. He's not called the unholy spirit. And when you have something living inside of you that is holy and righteous and perfect in every way, this Holy Spirit drives you to live a life that is right. Come on, amen. Because some of the people that I see in the church are are not living according to the word of God. Because they can't even love. And that's all God's all about. One thing, L-O-V-E. You got to start at love. Because love is the fulfillment of the law. Are you with me this morning? So I look at Paul. Galatians 2 and 20. I am, or I have been, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I live. Everybody say the life I live. The life that I'm living right now. The life I'm living right now is a crucified life. Oh, it's hard to live a crucified life because it's a life of dying. Dying to your desires to do wrong. See, we're in a culture that's all about more. More partying, more weed. Let's see how we can sell marijuana. Come on, let's get it out there. We, we live in a world that's, that's full of sin where, where men will marry men and women will marry women. Come on, amen. And this is the fleshly desires, but this is what Christ was willing to die for. For not for us to practice sin. Paul said, Romans 6 and 1, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? God forbid I died to sin. How can I live in it any longer? So I was thinking about selfishness, because I'm selfish sometimes. I know you guys are not, but I'm, sometimes I get myself very selfish. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry that I'm selfish. I mean, I feel good when I hear about my band being played on the radio, but when I hear about somebody else's band being played on the radio, I get envy. Come on, amen. <laughs> amen. That's the truth. And so I, I, I went to Siri, because sometimes it's easy just to push the button and say, hey, Siri, because she usually gives the wrong answer. Come on, amen. But this time, she hit it on the nail. I said, Siri, what does unselfish mean? She said, unselfishness means to be willing to put the needs or wishes of others before your own. I said, "Woo, good job. Because what she just said was to love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, Amen. 
And so we're called by God to lay down those ungodly desires of our flesh. But we say, which ones, preacher? Which ones do I need to lay down? Well, Paul gives us just a little list in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Let's just look at this little list. He said the acts of sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Let's stop there. Because when I, I hit debauchery, I'm like, what the heck is a debauchery? That sounds like a donut or something. So I looked up debauchery, and debauchery is excessive indulgence in sensual pleasures. I said, "Woo, That means overeating, overdrinking. Come on, amen. Overlooking at something that you're not supposed to. Come on. I'm, I mean, you'll catch yourself looking at a pretty woman, but you, you got to stop when you... Come on, amen. Because that's, that's, that's our nature as men to see beautiful women. We're attracted, but we gotta, we got to turn. We gotta, a man said, you got to change the channel quickly. Because if you don't, then you'll find a purse across your head. Verse 20 said, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, and jealousy, fits of rage, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and factions, and envy, and drunkenness, and orgies, and like I warned you, as did before, that those who live like this, everybody say, live like this. There's your key. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, honestly, some of these things on this list we don't even have to try about, try about doing. Because even the most decent people of the world who are not saved do not practice these, like witchcraft. Uh, come on, i never seen none of my friends practice witchcraft. Come on, amen, that's easy. But some of these sins on this list are as natural as your next breath. They come easy. And, and so Paul, I mean, David, he says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. I was born with this thing called a sinful nature that desires to live a life contrary to the word of God. Everything your sinful nature desires is not pleasing to God. So I got to crucify it. And you say, this, this is impossible. How, how can I, it's kind of like, you know, it's trying, like trying to train a dog not to sniff. Oh, yeah, you can train a dog to sit, to flip, to lay down, to do anything, but you cannot train a dog not to sniff everything he sniffs. Come on, Amen. You can't hardly train a bird not to fly or a horse not to run. Well, in the same way, it's almost impossible to train a man or a woman not to sin. Come on, amen. Because it comes natural to us. And so God gives us a remedy. His name is Jesus. Luke 18 and 27, Jesus said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Philippians 4 and 13 tells us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so in order to live a crucified life on this earth, you're going to have to do it with somebody else helping you through it. 
Because I can promise you every time you get on that cross and you try to nail yourself down, something inside of you is going to make you climb off of it to do wrong. I have never seen it fail when I'm trying to do the best that I can. The things I want to do, I don't do. Come on. The things I hate, they, they come out. Yesterday on that stage, every time we hit a chord, the lights, everything just went off. Inside of me, uh, uh, it was raging up. Crystal said, I could see the veins in your neck popping out. But I walked in love. Woo. If they could hurt my heart, you'd have heard, help me, Jesus. And that is usually what I say. Help me, Jesus. Can y'all say that with me? Help me, Jesus. You, You can't imagine what that can do in your life just by asking for help. Because the pride in your heart will not ever ask for help. A man to get lost driving his car, he ain't gonna stop and ask nobody for help. It's this way and I know it. Come on, amen. You say, help me, Jesus. He'll say, well, pull over and ask somebody. Hallelujah. Well, we got this thing called sin. And many people can't live a crucified life because they don't believe that they're in sin. Let me tell you something. You're in sin. We all have sinned and we all have fallen short to the glory of God. Let's break it down in scriptures. John says in 1 John 1 and 8, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Skip on to verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. Oh, but we got to get in the middle of this donut. Come on, amen, because it's going to get good. Because right there in 1 and 9, 1 and 9 says, If we'll confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purifies from all unrighteousness. L- let me just break it down. This is my life on a daily basis. I wake up and I try to get on that cross and lay down the life, the desires that's drawing me away from God. But anytime something pulls me off the cross, at that point I stop and I confess that sin and I'll get right back on it. Because I know the longer I stay off the cross, the easier it becomes. Come on, amen. And I'm, I'm telling you that there's many Christians who have wandered so far from the cross, they can't even see the cross in their life no longer. But, but if you and I could take up our cross daily and follow him, I can promise you the world around us will take note that there's something different about this Christian than this Christian because this Christian is saying no while this Christian is going with everything else. Either this one is a liar or this is truth. But they're going to believe the truth when they see it. And, and, and this is what I desire the world to see in me. Not how great I am, but how little I can become. I must decrease, John said. He must increase. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live in the flesh, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. This is talking about what we practice. What we practice on a daily basis. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23 and 24, I know I use a lot of scriptures, but I hope you like it. Then Jesus said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. When? Daily. And follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And so Jesus right here is teaching us that this is a process of every day. See, it's easy to do something called repent one time. Repent is turning from your wickedness, turning away from it, and turning to God. It's easy for one day because there's not a soul in this building who smokes as a habit. They can lay down that cigarette for one day. Easy. But on a daily basis. Living a crucified life is, is a life of repentance, a life of continually turn. That's called sanctification. Sanctification is when you're continuing to work out what God has put in you. The Bible says work out your salvation. In other words, you're on the inside, you're as perfect as you can be. But it's the outside that we're dealing with. This is the outside that we got to nail to that cross on a daily basis because the outside will get us in trouble. And so Paul, he, he's not talking, when he's talking about a crucified life, he's not talking about someone who, who wears a crucifix. He's not talking about the, the brother who has the t-shirt with the Jesus nailed to a cross. He's not talking about these individuals who have their Jesus tattoos all over their body. He's not talking about that. Because you can tattoo the whole word of God from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. But if you ain't born again, you'll split hell wide open. Because it doesn't matter how many tattoos you put on you. It's what you put on the inside of you that makes a difference. My people ask me all the time, you're the lead singer of a Christian rock band. You don't even have a tattoo. I said, well, I need one. What I need it for. Don't think I didn't want to put 316 on my head, but my mama would have passed out. <laughs> Woo, glory. Walked into church and there's a preacher with that on his head. Oh, I'd be in trouble. But Paul, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Jesus showed us the example of a crucified life. He too had desires not to go there. Lord, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Not my will, but thy will be done. See, there's not nobody, not even Jesus, who desired to suffer the cross. But when he said, not my will, but thy will be done, what he's saying is saying, wait a minute. I don't want to go to the cross, but, but I'm looking there. I'm looking there and I see Jeffrey. Come on. I'm looking, I see Iron Man, I, I see Kristen, I see Miss Dola, I see my mama, I see Buddy, I see all you guys who have no way. If I don't go to this cross, there is no hope. Not my will. And so when you decide you don't want to go to the cross, don't think that someone else is not taking note. Because there's little people around us called children. 
And these children will not understand what a crucified life is unless they see it from mama and daddy. Because I can promise you the world we're living in today will show them another life. A life without a cross. A crossless life. Many times they offered Jesus, the devil offered him a crossless life. If you're the son of God. Come on. But I'm telling you, he will offer you a crossless life. But Paul and Jesus is telling us, unless we take up our cross, we cannot be his disciple. Now, you can tell anybody what you will, but God is saying, I'm looking for the proof in the pudding, baby. But here's why. I'll close with this. I got more stuff, but I'm going to close with this. 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But for those who are being saved, it is the power of God. If this message today is foolishness to you, you're perishing. You're still walking in blindness. But those who are hearing this message and believe the truth... And know that God has called us to the cross. This is the power of life. When I see the cross, I don't see a picture of death as much as I see a picture of life. When I wear a symbol of cross on my neck, just the actually it's a shield of faith with the cross on. When I wear this, it means more to me than just a piece of jewelry. Because you notice that when I put it on that I find myself behind the cross. I put the cross ahead of me. It's on my chest. In other words, I'm behind the shield of faith. I believe by faith that it was through the cross that I have life. And so I, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power under salvation for those who believe. First for the Jews, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed First to the Jews and then for the Gentiles. So what do I do? I do like Paul. 1 Corinthians 9, 26 and 27. I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight the air like a man. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No. I beat my body and I make it a slave. So after I have preached to others, I myself will not disqualify for the prize. And so Paul in our text, he tells us this. This is where I close. Since we live by the Spirit, let us stay in step with the Spirit. Since I live by it, i got to stay in step with it. It's the Holy Spirit in me that, that gives me. See, the Holy Spirit will never give you a desire that contradicts the Word of God. So, so God tells us, hey, you've got to study and find out what it says on the inside. Otherwise, you're not going to recognize falsehood. And see, the moment you, you can get someone who knows their Bible and they'll come in here, they'll, they'll never hear nothing but a wrong saying because they're looking, some people will look for the wrong thing. Come on, amen. But, but, but the truth is that, that I want to know the truth inside of me. I want to make, I want, Paul said, come out from the world and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. I've got to change my way of thinking 
When I change the way I think, it changes the way I act. When I change the way I act, then it reflects the cross. And since I live by the Spirit, I want to keep in step with the Spirit. I can't lead the Spirit. The Spirit of God has to lead me. You don't change, you don't change the Word of God to fit your lifestyle. You change your lifestyle to fit the... Come on. Because you're not leading the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is leading you. We stand step with Him. He tells you where to go. Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus said the Lord, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient path. Ask for the good way and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. Because the Spirit of God, when you get to that crossroad, that uh, right now I'm, I'm t- somebody in this room is at a decision. I don't know who it is. God is not going to reveal that to me. But, but you're at a decision in life and you're like, Make a decision. Well, I'm telling you right now, you're at the crossroads. And when God tells you to go right, go right. But if you don't have that peace that passes all understanding, you're not listening to God. You may not understand it. You may not want to understand it. You may not like it. But if you have peace, then you say, you know what? I don't understand it. Don't. I don't know. But I feel right about it inside. My heart is telling me this is right. God is revealing to you what you need to go, where you need to go, how you need to do this. But I can promise you, he don't always give you the easy way. (laughs) Come on, amen. It's not always easy, God's direction. You may say, oh, man, I like this church. Oh, bro, it's an hour drive. How far, like that man said, how far would you drive to hear truth? Oh, ain't that good answer. That's one thing I like about our internet system. You can still hear truth across the world. Somebody maybe right now in, in India, Pakistan, Africa. China, they have access to hear me preaching from Royce City in a little country hillbilly church. Come on, amen. But we still have the same power that Paul had. Maybe we don't have the education, but we have the same power. We have the same word. We have the same God living inside of us. And you and I God said that that you were chosen, you were appointed at such a time as this. God made you. He didn't put me in the year 1950 or 2040. No, I'm right here right now for this purpose. You may have 75, 80 years in a life, then it's over. You only have a short time, in other words, to accomplish God's will in your life. And when you stand before God, you want to hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with the little things. I am going to give you greater things. Or, depart from me. I never knew you. 
you workers of iniquities. You, you practicingers of sin. That's bad English. I'm sorry, Miss Dola. <laughs> Amen. Y'all know what I'm saying, though. Because Christians have crucified their sinful nature. Not perfect people, but people who are willing to lay it down. Let's all stand together. A little girl was saved last week. It was exciting. She's not here today. We had her, we got her a Bible, but she'll be here next week maybe. But we, we may be old-fashioned, but we still do something called an altar call. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. I'm not going to ask you to slip up your hand like so many churches say, slip up your hand if you want to be saved. No. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. I'm going to ask you to make a bold statement to get up out of your chair, to come right down in front of everybody and confess the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you are not saved, I'm asking you, don't leave this building today the same way you came. Because tomorrow may be too late. The Bible says that life is but a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow, but you have right now. And if you feel a quickening in your spirit, that little nudge inside of you that's saying, you know what, I need to go down and I need to pray up with this man of God and get myself right before the Lord. I need to get right. Or you may just need prayer today. Just like Miss Candy, she needed prayer. You know, it had been easy for her to sit at home. But no, she lost her mom. And where is she today? In the house of the living. You know what that shows me? That is a woman of courageous power. I remember that the Sunday, the, the, the night before I lost my daddy, I had no one to preach, but I knew that I needed to get up here. The night I lost my day, the next morning I got up here and preached because I knew that God had a word for me, and I knew that God and my, my daddy would want me to be here. What about you? You need prayer? You need some mountains moved? You need to let go of some people who's hurt you? You're having trouble confessing? Let's get together. Let's get in agreement together right here. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your message today. We thank you of the Holy Spirit that is dwells within us. We thank you for your teaching today. Lord, help us tomorrow morning when we wake up, not to run and get a piece of toast and coffee, but help us to get first on that cross. In other words, help us to get in our mindset with you. Get us in line with the scriptures. Help us to walk in forgiveness and mercy. Help us to walk in repentance, Lord. We are, we are weak people, but we're powerful through you, God. I hear the Holy Spirit says to me that I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, you shall bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Dwell in Christ and he will dwell in you. God bless y'all. We'll see y'all next Sunday. And thank y'all for being here.